we have 150 years of history of seeing what God does, when God's people go all in in sacrifice and service and love and faith to give their whole lives to Jesus, we have seen how God then works through those people to bless the church, the community, to bless the whole world. And right now, it's our generation's turn to go all in for Jesus, counting on God to create a legacy of ministry impact that will last for generations to come. This season is called Canada. Well, good morning, church. It is great to be with you. My name's Ethan. I'm one of the ministers here. We are so glad you're here today. We're rolling through Cannonball. And if you to be all in with Cannonball, you're going to need one of these books. So if you brought yours with you, awesome. If you need one, though, maybe it's your first time here, maybe you don't have one. We got people. We want to put one in your hands. So just get a hand up there. We want everyone to have them. We're going to be using them today. In fact, there's a place, let's see, on page 40-something, if you want to take notes on page 40 47. You can take notes on the sermon. We'll also be looking through some of the sections of the book as part of our message today. So you want to make sure you grab one of these. Just stick a hand up in the air. Uh, while they're still passing out, I'll also like, make sure you know lots of things start back in February, including this Saturday. Men's Breakfast is back. I'll be there. Hope to see you there on Saturday. Um, let's see. This cannonball thing. Uh, we, we've learned some things about a cannonball. And, and, and the first thing we learned about a cannonball is that a cannonball always starts with a jump, right? And that's the hard part, actually. The part where you've got to leave the diving board, you've got to decide to kind of go all in, not knowing what it'll feel like when you hit the water. It's the jump that starts the whole process of the cannonball. We've talked about that jump the last two weeks because it's the same thing with following Jesus. Following Jesus starts with a jump. Before God can work through you, and God does want to work through you, but before God can work through you, God's got to work in you. You've got to surrender to trust in God. That's the jump into faith. You've got to be obedient to the way Christ calls you to live. That's the jump into life. And you've got to sacrifice what you have for what God has for you. That's the jump into generosity. And that's where the cannonball starts. But that isn't where it finishes. It finishes with the splash. Because while it's true that before God can work through us, God has to work in us, it's also true that when God works in us, God then does work through us. We aren't just saved from something, we are saved for something. God has a mission and a purpose for our lives. The jump is always followed by the splash. The jump is always followed by the splash and the ripples of impact move out from our lives to generations to come, sometimes beyond our scope. Genesis 12 is one of these Bible chapters that you've just got to understand. Uh, it's one of the most important chapters in the whole Bible. If you want to understand the story of the Bible and what God is trying to accomplish, you've got to understand Genesis 12. And Genesis 12 is the story of a jump and then a splash. 
Uh, Genesis 12, that's way at the beginning of the Bible. It'll be like on page 8 in your Bibles. It'll be super early in the Bible, right near the beginning. But so far, things have not been going well when you get to Genesis 12. We've had creation has been destroyed by the sin of humanity. We've had floods. We've had murders. We've had family turmoil. Things are not going well by the time we get to Genesis 12. And in Genesis 12, God begins the redemption story. And here's the way that story begins. Genesis 12, if you've got your Bibles, you can follow along. It'll be up on the screen. Genesis 12. The Lord said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, your father's household, to the land I will show you. The way the redemption story begins is God says to Abram, Give up everything you know. Give up the place you know, give up the people you know, give up the the situation you know, and go to an unknown place that I'm going to show you. Follow me. That's what God says. Follow me to a new place. That's the jump. And then God describes the splash. Abram, if you will let go of everything you know and you will follow me to this new place, let me tell you what I'm going to do. I will make you a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And that's how the redemption story starts. God says, you leave behind all that you know and trust me and follow me. And then through you, I will bless every." Buddy, who could have imagined that God could work in such a miraculous way? That that one person's faithful surrender could be the catalyst for the blessing of the whole entire world. The book of Hebrews tells us, reminds us that, that Abraham never got to see the fullness of that blessing. Abraham never got to see the completion of this redemption project that he had to serve and trust in faith for an accomplishment that he would never live to see. But because he served, because he jumped all in, the ripple of blessing did in fact accomplish God's plan and reach all peoples. And I want to be clear. I want you to know this. The way God worked in Abraham's life is the way God desires to work in your life. That's the anchor truth for today. The way God worked in Abraham's life is the way God desires to work in your life. God desires to lead you, to call you, and to bless you so that through you, God can bless everybody around you. Ripples of impact beyond what you can see, beyond what you can understand, beyond your lifespan even. Because this is the way God works all throughout scripture. Every time God blesses God's people, it is so that through them, God can bless someone else. So, So let's say God comforts you. Why does God comfort you? 
so that you can comfort somebody else. 2 Corinthians 1.3, Praise be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of all compassion, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles. Why? So that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. When God blesses us, it is so God can bless others through us every single time. Maybe it's material blessing. Some of y'all got stuff. You might wonder, why did, why did God give me all this stuff? What's the stuff for? Well, 2 Corinthians 9.10, He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed, enlarge your harvest of righteousness. You will be enriched in every way. That sounds pretty good. But why would God do that? So that you can be generous on every occasion and through us your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service you perform not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is overflowing with many expressions of thanks to God. When God blesses you, it is so that God can bless others through you. And when you allow that blessing to flow into and through your life, that blessing multiplies as worship to God. Whatever it is. Again, we, we could just, we, maybe you've got an extra shirt. If you've got an extra shirt, what's your extra shirt for? Well, Luke 3.10. Anyone who has two shirts should share with the one who has none. Anyone who has food should do the same. If you've been blessed with food, it's so that you can share that blessing with someone who doesn't have food. What about forgiveness? This is pretty central to the whole Christian story, right? That we who are sinners, who have rebelled against God, have been forgiven by God's mercy and allowed to be reunited, made one with the very presence and love of God. What are we supposed to do with this forgiveness we've received? Oh, we're supposed to forgive others. The Lord's Prayer, Luke eleven four. Forgive us our sins as we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. I want to be super clear. What... God did through the life of Abraham, God desires to do in your life. God desires to call you, lead you. God desires for you to follow him so that God might bless you. And when God blesses you, God intends to bless others through you. What God did through Abraham, God intends to do through you. This is why the world is so confused by Christians when we are unmerciful, having claimed to receive mercy. When we are ungenerous, having claimed to have received the generosity of God. When we are stingy or miserly or selfish or critical or cruel, we confuse everyone. Because what we offer the world is not what we say God has given us. You see that? When we claim God has given us blessing, but what we offer to the world are curses, we are a confusing witness and we defame the very glory of God. Because God has blessed us so that God might bless others through us. Look at uh, Titus chapter 3. Uh, Paul is giving instructions um, to uh, a young preacher uh, named Titus. And he tells people, he says, remind people how they should live in the world. They should live as a blessing in the world. He says this, remind people to be subject to rulers and authorities, uh, to be obedient, to be ready to do whatever is good, to slander no one, to be peaceable and considerate, to always be gentle toward everyone. That would be awesome, right? 
you're sort of thinking to yourself, yeah, the world would be a better place if there were a group of people dedicated to living like that. That would be pretty awesome. But then Paul wants us to know the motivation for that kind of life. He says, remind people to live in this way, always considerate, gentle toward everyone. For at one time, we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. That sort of describes our world, right? You read the news, you pay attention. What do you see? You see foolish people and disobedient people, deceived people. We see so many of us who have, been, who have become enslaved to our passions and pleasures. We live hating one another. That sort of sounds like our world, doesn't it? And Paul says, yeah, that was us. That was all of us. And then the kindness and love of God, our Savior, appeared. And when the kindness and love of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us. Not because of righteous things that we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and the renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that, having been justified by grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. This is the blessing, Paul says. This is the blessing with which you have been blessed, you have been rescued, pulled out of that life of disobedience and malice and hatred and pulled into a life of hope and eternity. And he says, having been blessed in this way, I want you to stress these things so that those who have trusted in God will be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. Paul says, stress these things so that those who have been so profoundly blessed by God will devote themselves to living as a blessing to others. This mechanism flows through every page of God's word. The radical grace of God first works in us and then works through us. Every good thing God has given to you, everything good thing God has done for you is done with the multiple purpose of blessing you so that God might bless others through you. And when we do not obey this principle, when we posture our lives in such a way that we are willing to receive the blessing of God, but we are not willing to let God bless others through us, we are in rebellion against the work of God. Because we are, we are rejecting the very purpose for which God has accomplished good and blessing in our lives. This was true of Abraham. And this is true of you. God desires to work blessing in your life. God desires for you to leave behind all that hinders and follow him utterly and totally to a place he will show you. And in that obedience, God desires to bless you, to forgive you, to save you, to do all of this for you so that God might work through you in the work of blessing others. 
This is what we mean when we say that we as a church are for everyone. We don't mean we're for everyone, you know, like Cracker Barrel has something for everyone. We don't mean like that. I mean, we know some people won't like our music or won't like our programs or won't like the preaching or something like that. When we say we're for everyone, we mean we love everyone. We exist for everyone. We recognize the blessing of God that God has poured into our lives. God intends not just to pour to us, but through us for everyone. We jump into faith and life and generosity, trusting that God will accomplish, with our feeble jump, God will accomplish a splash of blessing that will send ripples of generational impact far beyond what we could see or imagine. And part of the reason we do this with such confidence is because we have seen it happen in our church so consistently for 150 years. Uh, maybe you, you got one of these books now, and so maybe later, or if the sermon gets boring, bored, you can do it now. Uh, you can turn to page three in the book, and, and, and pages three through 11 uh, talk about the history of this church. And the story of the history of this church is this very story we've been telling of God's people trusting God, being blessed by God, and then seeing God bless others through them and giving glory to God for what God has accomplished. Through works of service and through radical generosity over hundreds of years, this church has planted churches and funded ministry and sent out missionaries and fed the hungry and housed the homeless and built community and raised families and taught each other's children, reached the lost, buried our loved ones. We have built and maintained buildings but not as monuments. This church has never built a monument. What we have built are ministry outposts to catalyze the gifts of God's people so that we might reach and serve our community with greater and greater effectiveness. And I want you to know something about the timeline of this. In every case in the history of our church, when God's people have come together in a moment to, to sacrifice in obedience to God for the legacy of blessing through this church, the splash, the impact, the blessing has always outlasted them by decades. That's the amazing thing. What God does through our lives will outlast our life by decades. And what God does in our life, well, that will last for eternity. And that's the moment we're in as a church We've talked two weeks about the jump, and today I want to talk about the splash because I believe that God desires to work mightily in and through your life. I, got, I believe that God, God is saying to you what God said to Abraham, hey you, let go of all the things that keep you attached to this world and follow me and me alone, and I will bless you, and through you I will bless the multitudes. Here's where we think we are. We think God is calling us to strategic action over the next five years to prepare us for the next 50. At the level of infrastructure and program design, we are not ready for the next 50 years. And we need to change that. And we're going to do that over the next five. Here's what else I believe. I believe what God has done through us and in us in the past, we believe God is planning to do again. 
We believe that the same God that has been faithful to this church for 150 years, faithful to God's people for thousands of years, that same God is at work today. Cannonball starts with a jump, but when you jump into the faithfulness of God, God produces a splash. And I want to talk to you about the splash today. I am so excited about the splash we anticipate God accomplishing over the next two years through Cannonball. Now, again, you've got your books, and I'm going to be sort of going through. If you want to follow along in your books, you can follow along with me on page 15 uh, through 20. I just want you to look with me at the splash that we are anticipating as we are faithful for God to accomplish. The first part of the splash, we are anticipating over the next two years that God will continue to grow our core ministry. The gospel need in our community in this present moment is great, and it is growing. And the church must respond with a faithful response. We cannot shrink back in a moment when so many people need to know the love and good of God that is for them. God is blessing the work of our church, but there is an urgent need for us to grow as a people in, we say, worship and service, discipleship and evangelism. We need to live the day day. I want to tell you, in this cannonball season, I, I, I am confident of what it is that will catalyze our ministry in this cannonball season. It will be the people of God growing in personal holiness and personal evangelism. What's going to catalyze our ministry in this season is not some fancy new program, although we'll probably launch some new programs. What will catalyze our ministry is when we, the people of God, go deeper in our surrender to personal holiness and obedience, living as Christ teaches us, and deeper in our commitment to personal evangelism, sharing the love of Jesus with those God brings in our path. This is what Cannonball is going to do for the core ministry of our church. If you look on the next page, page 16, you'll see the second piece of the splash. And that's what we're calling waves of impact. These impact projects are four areas that have been vital to First Christian Church for literally more than a century but in this season, needs special attention. The first is advancing ministry preparation. Some of you know that five years ago, we made a major investment in ministry preparation here in our region. We invested more than a million dollars to launch a new program at Milligan University and to begin a series of internships and residencies here inside of our church. God has blessed that program more than we ever could possibly have imagined. The number of people that are being trained at Milligan University and the number of people that we're training here, both from Milligan but also from other places, has far exceeded what we could have hoped. But there is so much more work to be done. The need is great. Uh, a survey last year by the Barna Group uh, says that the average age of a minister in a church today is 62. That creates a looming crisis if we as a church do not raise up and rapidly equip people for future service to God's church. And this church is responding to that, and Cannonball will help us do that. The second impact gift is in church planting and church revitalization. Again, we need more churches, and we need to revitalize some churches that are struggling. Cannonball will allow us to continue. We've been doing this for more than 100 years. Cannonball will be an investment that allows us to continue that work. We need to care for our neighbors who are hungry or homeless. One of the realities of our economy right now is that housing prices are going up, wages are not, and a lot of people who would not have been homeless a decade ago are struggling to find a place to live today. 
At the same time, government services are not as robust as they once were. And this means there's a gap. And the people who are going to kill the, fill the gap are the people of God. This is just what we do. It's super clear. If we have an extra shirt, we give to somebody who doesn't. If we have extra food, we give to somebody who has none. And our church will not fail to respond. Like We have to respond right, to this present moment. Cannonball will allow us to do it. Lastly, we need special attention in the area of global mission. Uh, we hope over the next two years to really change the culture of our church with respect to global mission so that we don't just send money and send prayers, but we send our very lives, our very selves in local partnership all around the world. That begins this year with vision trips as we prepare for next year launching public mission trips as a regular and ongoing part of the culture of our church. These impact gifts are in, for every one of them. They're part of something we've been doing for centuries, but they are specific strategic moves forward in response to present and urgent needs. The last part of the splash is what we're calling waves of legacy. You can look for more information about that on pages 17 and 18. Uh, the reality is this building we're in right now has been a blessing to our ministry for 50 years. This is a 50-year-old building we're in right now. And it has been so effective for our ministry. So many stories, so much effective ministry we have done has only been possible because of this wonderful facility. But this facility is not ready to last another 50 years both in terms of design and just infrastructure and repair. This building isn't going to make it to 100 without a significant investment. Over the coming months, we'll have lots of opportunities. If you've got specific questions about the building, there's a lot of work left to be done. We'll talk about that. But the short version is this. Our needs are changing. Our congregation is growing. The infrastructure is aging. And we must respond so that we will have a home base for effective ministry for decades to come. The cost of the project is great. It's a big building, and we need to expand it some, and building expenses are crazy. So it is likely that Cannonball won't finish the work of funding the full project. But it might happen. God's a generous God. We are a generous people. We might fund the whole thing through Cannonball. But even if we don't, we must begin the work. Because like those who have gone before us, we recognize that the work of God's church is catalyzed by an effective ministry hub, such as what this building has been for 50 years. To accomplish all of this, grow our core ministry, the impact gifts, these legacy gifts, we are entering into a season of generosity like none we've ever experienced as a church. We need the people of God, this church, to give in a way we never have before. For many of us, this cannonball season will be the single largest gift we've ever given to the work of God's church. And that will be appropriate because of the moment that we are in. I want to tell you a little bit about how this gift is structured, um, just so you fully understand it. You can look on page 19 if you want to read more about what I'll just briefly say. And that is this. This is what's called a one-fund initiative. There won't be a separate building fund for anyone to give to. Now, while, of course, in our management of the funds, you could always at any time ask how much have we allocated toward the building, but the giving is to the one mission of Cannonball which will fund our core mission, accomplish these impact projects, and then all that remains will be dedicated toward the building and the development of our new facilities. 
That one fund approach will be reflected in the commitment card. Uh, for some of you, you're going to be ready to make your commitments next week. So I want to talk just a little bit about how that commitment card works. Uh, maybe you have yours with you. I've talked to many of you that have already begun praying and talking about what your commitment will be. So if you've got your commitment card, you can sort of look on the inside there. Or if you look on page 19, there's a sample there. And I just want to tell you what it means that it's a one fund gift. First of all, it means that anything you already give to First Christian Church would be part of Cannonball. That's that first blank there you see, what we already give in support of the work of God's church. The second blank is for any increased regular giving you know you are called to do. Maybe you just know it's time for you to step to a new level of generosity. Or maybe in this two-year season, you want to shift your priorities so that you can maximize your generosity to this special program. And that would be in that second block. You add, there's a little math, you add them together, you multiply times two because it's a two-year initiative. And then that next blank you'll see says stored resources. For some of us, uh, we have savings that we've just been accruing or investment stuff or extra property. And maybe you've looked at yourself and you've wondered, why did God give me all this extra stuff? Well, guess what? The Bible actually tells us. It says, you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. We never have to wonder why we have extra stuff. We have extra stuff in anticipation of when God needs it. That's why we have extra stuff. And so for some of you, you're going to use your stored resources as a way to make a legacy gift that is for you a radical sacrifice to move forward the work of the church. Our first chance to make these commitments is this coming Sunday night, not tonight, but next week, April, I mean, sorry, February 18th. That's next Sunday. I want to tell you a little bit about that event. It's going to be a wonderful event. Um, it's going to be over at Milligan University in their field house. If you know Milligan, that property very well, you already know where the field house is. If you don't, don't worry. If you make it to the front gates, there'll be signs directing you to the field house. The, in, the main entrance to Milligan University is a bridge. So if you make it across the bridge, on the other side of the bridge, there'll be signs pointing you to where you need to go. Once you're there, it's going to be a lovely, really special event. Uh, we're going to worship together. We're going to share food. Uh, even if you want to, bring a change of clothes because after the event, there will be the option of doing an actual cannonball into the pool downstairs. That is not mandatory, but I'll be doing it, so I hope somebody will join me. Uh, but mostly, of course, it's just a time for us to gather together and link arms and say, I'm in. I don't want to wait. I don't want to be behind anybody else in my chance to make a commitment to the future of God's church. Uh, it's a way of saying, I know why I've been blessed. Do you know why you've been blessed? Because you have been blessed. And I just want to know, do you know why you have been blessed? You have been blessed to be a blessing. And all of us this Sunday night or in three weeks on March 3rd, we'll have a chance to declare that by making our commitment, by jumping in and trusting God for the splash that God will produce. I hope when you read about that and you think about all that we expect God to do over these next two years, I hope you're excited about that. I hope you believe that God has blessed you so that you can be a blessing to others. Take a second now and listen to my friend Angie as she talks about why she's excited about Campbell. 
My name's Angie Phipps, and my husband Patrick and I have been here at FCC for over 20 years. I've been involved in many ministries at FCC, from young children to kids' time to special needs to high school, and then most recently, the past 10 years, I've been involved with our ministry to our partners and community in downtown Johnson City. I don't have a lot of talents that uh, you could put your finger on. I'm not super creative. Um, I can't sing, um, but I can serve, and I can serve a community uh, that is looking for kindness and goodness and support. I'll tell you, the w work there um, in downtown has changed everything about me. There's so much sadness, and there's so much hurt, and there's a lot of pain, and we can really make a difference as a church and uh, we make a difference as an individual. You think, okay, so I'm gonna show up and, and I can help somebody with a meal or a sleeping bag or a backpack, but it's way more than that. Through doing those things, I can be an example. I can listen, I can be a friend, and I can show someone what Jesus is like, that they have the same opportunity and that Jesus loves them. Our shirts say for everyone, and that is really important to me because the heaven where I'm headed is for everyone, and that's who we're going to see there. I think as a church, FCC is a leader in our community, and I am proud, and um, I smile when I say that that is my church home. I'm excited for Cannonball, and uh, my home is excited for Cannonball and the waves that we're going to make for Jesus. I'm excited for what it means for FCC, but I'm really excited and looking forward to seeing how it can touch and affect the ministry that I'm directly connected to. How can we, um, here at FCC, how can we be more of a light? How can we involve our FCC community? How can we plug others in to do that? Um, how can we touch our neighbors? And what is that gonna look like for us? We have the numbers, we have a big congregation, and we need partners to serve with us. We need hands and feet. If that's where you are, if you're looking for somewhere to serve, if you want your heart touched, if you want your heart changed, that's where it will happen. I don't want to hold back. I want to be all in. I really think it's so important for us to realize how blessed we are and how much we have and um, how we can use our gifts, how we can use our money, how we can use our talents, um, and how it can impact uh, someone else's life directly, uh, not down the line, but directly, and how it can affect their future, not just here on this earth, but um, how it can affect their connection with Jesus and their place in heaven. Angie figured it out. 
She figured out why God blessed her. So that God could bless others through her. The work God has set before us will not be the work of a few of us. It will require the whole church to go all in for us to see the kind of waves God wants to accomplish. Every gift, every prayer, every act of service, every sacrifice, it will require all of us. Up till Genesis chapter 12, the Bible told a pretty bad story. It's really, those first 11 chapters are harsh. And then in Genesis chapter 12, God says to Abraham, Go, leave behind everything you know. Leave behind everyone you know. Leave behind everywhere that you know. Go to the place that I will show you, which means Abraham's going to have to follow God. Go to a place of sacrifice, Abraham. And if you will let go and follow me, I will bless you. And through you, I will bless everybody. Buddy. And I believe this is still how God works. And that's what God is asking of this church in this season, every single one of us, you and me. God is asking us to trust Him enough to follow Him, trust Him enough to sacrifice for the work of God's kingdom, believing that we will be blessed and that through us, God will send out ripples of blessing for generations beyond what we can see. And the work God does in our life, well, that'll last forever. And so that's my prayer right now. Uh, it's what I'm praying for me. I hope you're praying for me. It's what I'm praying for you. And I am praying for you. I pray that we are listening to the bold call of God on our lives. I pray that we will be sort of disgusted by half measures and half commitments and half sacrifice. But instead, we will let go of the board and jump all in, following God to a place God will show us and trusting that the ripples of impact that God accomplishes will outlast us and outlive us and will serve generations to come. And I know how it works. Some people will hear about these dreams and they'll hear about the splash and, oh, mission trips and build a building and serve the hungry. And, and they'll hear about all these things and they'll say, I can't wait to see it happen. And that's okay. I just hope you and I don't say that. I hope we don't say, I can't wait to see it happen. I hope what we say is, I'm not gonna wait for it. I'm gonna work for it. I'm gonna serve for it and pray for it and sacrifice for it and be on my knees for it and get my hands dirty for it and trust God for it so that God could, could bless me and then let the blessing flow through me. I don't wanna be out of the conduit of blessing watching God accomplish something amazing and not be part of the the thing that God could do. 
I don't want to miss it. That's my prayer for you. I have been blessed so that God might bless others through me. You have been blessed so that God might bless others through you. In us and then through us. We jump and then a splash and then ripples for generations of blessing beyond our imaginations. Let me pray for you. Gracious God, we believe in you. Teach us to believe ever more fully in you. Gracious God, we ask that you would give us the faith to jump and to follow into unknown places, to new places of sacrifice and dependence on you where we have not been before. And then just believe, Lord God, that you will accomplish more than we can ask and imagine. You will bless us and then you will bless others through us and we will rejoice. It will multiply in an overflow of thanksgiving and worship. This is our prayer, God. May this happen in and through our lives. Please, God, work this in us today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.